in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, folks, good afternoon. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Right now, the time is 106. And this portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. A delicious meal is waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. And as the weather gets nicer, you're really going to, people are going to love, I told them, people are going to love that outside deck where they can sit out. It's always nice to sit outside when you can. And then, but in the meantime, plenty of room. If you have a big group, they can accommodate you. And plus, they have uh, the nice lounge there. NFL Draft is tonight. Catch all the action at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So I want to bring you, um, folks, uh, good afternoon again. I want to bring you up to speed on everything that is going on. Boy, there's a lot of local news. First of all, we're learning a little bit more about the shooting last night that happened in Woonsocket. This afternoon, the Rhode Island State Police are going to release more information about uh, the shooting that occurred last night. Now, if you want to see, we did do a Facebook Live from the site of the uh, the scene on, of the shooting, obviously. So state police, along with Attorney General Peter DeRona, representatives, U.S. Marshal, Woonsocket Police have scheduled a 3 o'clock briefing. So, but what we understand is it took place on North Main Street, the area of East Street, East, East School Street. And the officers involved are members from the Violent Fugitive Task Force, which typically serves arrest warrants to suspects accused of violent crime. Sources confirmed at Channel 12 now, the suspect was wanted for an attempted kidnapping in Little Compton. So you can see a lot of the, um, if you go to either on Facebook or on the website, to Petro.com, I want to um, pull up this business of... Let me see if I can find anything on the kidnapping in Little Compton. Um, let's see. I don't. Uh, I don't see anything recent. So unless there something happened, I have not heard, or I'm, I, I should say, I'm not seeing anything about anything recent. Regarding a uh, potential kidnapping. So now we don't know when it was, though. We don't know when it was. There was a situation last July um, as far as Little Compton. But I, I have not, we haven't seen or heard anything like that. But meantime, in the meantime, someone who's having a bad Thursday is, in fact, Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee. And also, uh, it is important and should be noted, the element of the three men have been charged with voter fraud now in Rhode Island elections. So we're going to touch on that. But the other story is Governor McKee and his approval ratings are are really, um, now Channel 12 has a story up. McKee pulls out a governor's candidate for next week. Now, they don't have sound on that yet. But Governor McKee has unexpectedly pulled out of the first in-person gubernatorial forum of this year's election cycle. He was scheduled to join five of his opponents on stage Thursday at a luncheon meeting of the right of RIPAC. But RIPAC President Michael DBS of the group was just informed he will no longer attend. We were informed the governor's not doing candidate events until the field is set. The filing deadline for candidates is the last week of June. So this goes along with what I've been saying, folks. He is not, I think July is the earliest you're going to see him on a stage. McKee's office first concerned his participation in the forum two months ago and had done later so again. And they, the group had not even communicated event details. So now suddenly... Uh, it would have been the first time he appeared with jointly with candidates vying to replace him. And then um, he did miss a forum for the Democrat gubernatorial candidates hosted by the Rhode Island Democrat Women's Caucus in February. So, but this is interesting that RIPEC, Mike DBS, who used to be the director of administration for the state, is and he's certainly an inside player, is saying 
He's not doing it until the field is set. So that's not what they said initially. So they're not going with the conflict. Now they're saying they want to. Now, the thing is, as I mentioned in the past, he's not wrong. Patrick, other people have appeared on stage. And then they ended up not running. Uh, But Channel 12 is certainly not backing down with their coverage. And to me, this just continues to kind of highlight uh, the discord between Governor McKee and WPRI Channel 12. So the fact that they're doing a full story, and they even did it as breaking news about his falling polling numbers. That tells me that Channel 12 is not backing down the way I'm sure the McKee people would like them to. I want to play the uh, Channel 12 breaking news about his approval rating. He's the third least popular governor in the country. Here's what it sounded like on Channel 12. Twelve News Now at WPRI.com. I'm Ted Nisi. Well, we're getting a fresh look at how Rhode Island voters are feeling about Governor Dan McKee, and it's a mixed verdict. This is the latest quarterly polling on governors all across the country from the website Morning Consult, which pulls that data over a three-month period from their online polling all over the country. They pull each state out, and what they find is over the winter, they surveyed 1,840 Rhode Island registered voters and found 42% approved of the job McKee was doing, 40% disapproved. So right about split, and uh, it was down considerably from last spring, which was shortly after McKee took over from Gina Raimondo. At that point, Morning Consult found 59% of voters approved of his job performance and only 18% disapproved. This, of course, comes as McKee is preparing to face voters as he runs for re-election in the September Democratic primary. And then if he is the nominee, of course, into the November election, he faces opponents in both. Uh, McKee actually ranked third from the bottom among the governors that they uh, tested. Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker, a Republican who, of course, is leaving office this year, not seeking another term, remains the most popular governor in the country with a 74 percent approval rating. And Connecticut's Ned Lamont, a Democrat who is up for re-election this year, was at 57 percent. The group also took a look at U.S. Senate approval ratings. They found Senator Jack Reed at 54 percent this winter, down from 58 percent, and Sheldon Whitehouse, as usual, a bit lower than Reed at 48 percent. We're, of course, continuing to track all the poll numbers as they come in during this campaign season. But for now, I'm Ted Nisi for 12 News. Now, that is uh, very interesting. Again, they, they do it under the guise of breaking news. He didn't say the words breaking news. But they do it under the guise of breaking news. Now, that's Channel 12. Let's see how Channel 10 is handling this. Uh, Rhode Island State Police to provide update on shooting involving Trooper in Woonsocket. Uh, Boom, boom, boom. Will involve Attorney General Peter Nerona, members of the U.S. Marshal, Woonsocket Police Department. Um, Police have not said who was shot or given the condition. It had to do with the Violent Fugitive Task Force. They uh, will be, okay, so that's going to be this afternoon. Nothing new there. State trooper involved with socket shooting. You can go to thepetro.com. We also have, um, well, Governor McKee is scheduled to take questions from the media this afternoon. Um, I also, uh, this is interesting that work police searching for two individuals connected to a shoplifting case. Where did this happen? They took $2,000 worth of wire at Lowe's. They left the store without making payment. There they are. Um, I always think that's interesting when there's obviously surveillance cameras. But, all right, I want to get to um, last night. They had the opposing sides debate controversial sex education bill in Rhode Island. Now, I've heard that this has been shelved. I've heard that this is on the shelf. So I want to play this. And then also the person running for office that said Elon Musk, he's a teacher. He told his students Elon Musk buying Twitter is the worst possible thing in the world. Let's hear the uh, Channel 10 piece, though, on the sex ed bill. Teach kids about sex education. Proposed legislation would amend the state's sex education law to require that courses include discussions about gender 
and sexual orientation. Well, tonight, parents and local leaders going head-to-head with some for and some against. The team's Cal Dabowski live at the State House with a big talker. Cal? Well, Dan and Patrice, there was passionate testimony from both sides of this bill, but one word is now the talk of the town. I don't believe we should be teaching children about sexual-based pleasure. We should be teaching children how to appropriately respect one another. Young people deserve an education that empowers them to be themselves and to make healthy, informed decisions about their bodies and their futures. Opposing sides speaking out as a controversial bill got some pushback Wednesday night. This is the stack of opposition for this legislation. This is the stack of support for this legislation. Bill 2285 seeks to amend Rhode Island's sex education law to require courses include discussions of gender and sexual orientation, as well as, quote, affirmatively recognize pleasure-based sexual relations, end quote. The education would be introduced in sixth grade, and topics would get gradually more complex through later years. Senator Tiara Mack of Providence's 6th District is one of the bill's authors. Comprehensive, inclusive, pleasure-based health education equips and empowers our youth with a positive sense of self and teaches them how to engage in healthy, consensual relationships. But some have raised concerns. I never got so many phone calls since I've been here. Senator Jessica De La Cruz highlighted her constituents' worry over the word pleasure. What does that look like? The reason I use pleasure is because we should be encouraging our folks to only seek interactions that give them pleasure. De La Cruz also wanting to see curriculum examples for this type of sex education and what it would look like. We just need to see that, right? I don't want to make a decision based on, on legislation without information. We need to be more specific and I think you need to provide more information because a lot of parents are very concerned. Mac telling NBC10 she's excited for the feedback and plans to provide the necessary documentation. So I'm happy to provide what that, what that safe, affirming curriculum and pleasure-based curriculum looks like um, because it has empowered many students who I now see all throughout Rhode Island. And Senator Mack also hinted that she is open to hosting a forum in which parents can come to her and ask questions about this bill so that they can better understand. Boy, she is, again, folks, uh, she does have an opponent, by the way. That is uh, Rhode Island State Senator Tiara Mack. She is also the one that um, she's getting a lot of play on Twitter where I want to find um, where she came out in, um, and again, right now at 118, let me uh, find where, and now it's, it got picked up by uh, Matt Walsh, who's, who's huge on, on Twitter, as a matter of fact. Um, I want to find um, where that is. Boy, the, the McKee thing. Pulling out of the debate is, um, here it is. She, this is a, a sitting, sitting state senator. I am a single queer train advocate who's desperate for better train service and high-speed rail options to NYC on the weekends exclusively for the queer dating scene. Better trains now. And that is um, the response on that. Is, is really taking off. And let alone, folks, you know, there, there's no sense of accountability regarding the failing test scores in Providence. Governor McKee campaign manager confirms McKee won't do any appearances with other candidates before July. The governor will begin participating in debates when the candidate declaration period is complete and the field is set. Um, so now, see, he's pushing it off. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do them starting in July. Yeah, late July. Um, <clears throat> but that's not, in the past, that's a new development. Now, let me also just see this. Uh, Governor McKee campaign at RIPEC. We notified them last week that when the candidate is complete, the fields don't doesn't say when he said yes in the first place. Rypeck is saying he initially agreed to do it. And now he is, in fact, pulling pulling out of it. Now they're saying he's not going to do anything before July. Folks, this comes to exactly as I have said, which is he's saying before July. He's not going to get an answer on the FBI probe. 
So he can say that he doesn't want to do it until he's going to wait until July. But I, I, I am telling you right now, he is going to try to get as close as possible to the primary. And, and I also don't think he wants anything to do. I come back to why did his campaign agree to put him on stage alongside the Republican candidate? Now, that, that falls on the campaign. But he, you know, who's running things over there? He had to have known this. So I, I don't, you know, this this falls on on the governor and his, it's still his campaign. And I, I fully get, you know, he can say, I, I, I can't be doing everything. But he, you know, he's the one. That agreed to take part in in the uh, debates in the in the first place. So I I and now they're saying, well, he's not going to do it until July when the the field is set. I don't. I and I'm telling you, he can say that, but I I think he, as I wrote, folks, on the website depetro.com. He does not want to debate. Maybe in August, he is trying to... Now, someone, someone I believe, is, is leading the charge on this and telling him not to go ahead with the, with the debate. All right, I want to pull up, because um, then there's other news. This RIPAC thing, boy, that's interesting. In politics, you can run, but you can't hide. He won't do any appearances before July. Maybe before July. Sounds like August to me. All right. I want to play that Channel 12 uh, has the story of this. uh, He's a teacher. He's also running for office. And he's the one that told his, his students that Elon Musk buying Twitter is the worst thing in the world. Um, You know what's interesting, folks? So many of these progressives are not ready for prime time. And this guy, normally, he does whatever he wants. Here it is. And then there's no blowback. Now suddenly there's blowback. Here it is. The teacher shared his personal opinion about Elon Musk buying Twitter with several classes and then tweeted about it. Good evening. I'm Patrice Wood. And I'm Gene Valicenti. He's also running for office. And in sharing his disdain for Elon Musk, just ran into a political buzzsaw over teachers maybe saying too much to kids these days. NBC 10's Brian Crandall caught up with the instructor on the fire tonight, Brian. Keep in mind, he's a Spanish teacher. Gina Patrice, the long-term substitute here at Central High School, is also running for state representative here in Providence, and the school department tells me that the issue with Enrique Sanchez is now being investigated by its human resources department. I just want to clarify that... An opinion shared in the classroom, then on Twitter. Central High School Spanish teacher Enrique Sanchez let his feeling on Elon Musk be known during a class discussion is part of a journalism project he tells me do you think it was a mistake to say in class i think it was a uh a mistake to to share that publicly sanchez tweeted monday of course i explained to my students in all five of my classes today why elon musk buying off twitter is the worst thing that could have happened no individual and especially wealthy Elites should be given these types of opportunities to buy off social media platforms. It's my job as an educator to not to work on the curriculum, teach them, but also to, um, you know, uh, give them an, an, an opportunity to explore their knowledge. Sanchez's tweet has gotten more than a thousand comments like, what you did today was awful and proof you're not fit for the classroom. Why not teach the curriculum instead of telling kids your personal feelings? Why are you bringing politics into the classroom? And another asked if Sanchez used examples of other billionaire media outlet owners as well. I understand where they're coming from on their perspective. No way was this trying to promote any, any, yes, it was. Political, any side of the political spectrum. Um, kids will actually push back against this. Do you feel like this was a personal view and do you think it's okay to express that in class? Um, I think it's... Uh, 
a I, I did per, I did post my personal view. I should have gone more into detail with the tweets, uh, explaining that there was support, pushback, curiosity. Uh, but um, I'm aware that when it comes to teaching and when it comes to working in the classroom with youth, our job is. Can to, I just bring this uh, back a little bit? Because he he claims uh, it was a it was a journalism case. This is the teacher in Providence, although. He's a Spanish teacher that his feeling on Elon Musk be known during a class discussion as part of a journalism project, he tells me. Do you think it was a mistake to say in class? I think it was a journalism uh, project. He teaches Spanish. To, to share that publicly. Sanchez tweeted Monday, of course I explained to my students in all five of my classes today why Elon Musk buying off Twitter is the worst thing that could have happened. No individual, and especially wealthy elites, should be given these types of opportunities to buy off social media platforms. It's my job as an educator to not to work on the curriculum, teach them, but also to, um, you know, uh, give them an, an, an opportunity to explore their knowledge. Sanchez's tweet has gotten more than a thousand comments like, what you did today was awful and proof you're not fit for the classroom. Why not teach the curriculum instead of telling kids your personal feelings? Why are you bringing politics? You know, again, this is um, a couple days later and him trying to spin it as to, you know, there was pushback. It was a discussion. But let's face it. You go into the classroom. You're leading the classroom discussion. Uh, how many kids are really going to push back on something like that? So now, folks, again, good afternoon. I just want to see um, if we can also find uh, the latest now regarding uh, there's going to be more information later this afternoon regarding the shooting last night, the shooting last night that happened in, in Woonsocket State Police. Now, I, I believe, as I had said last night when I was on the um, when I was on scene that. It, it certainly seems that it was there's a fatality. And we still haven't learned, you know, who it was and what this is all about. Uh, other than it, it sounds like it was a violent fugitive task force they were after. But the person who right now is certainly uh, garnering a lot of attention is Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee for pulling out of this, um, this pre-planned debate. And there's, without question, um, there's, there's going to be pushback on this whole thing. That he's backing out of a debate on the same day that the approval comes, his approval rating is the, the, the third, it says third lowest in the country. But that's only because, that's only because the fact that there are two people tied and it's one point. Governor McKee is one point away from being the least popular governor in the country. And and now he's got a problem on his hands. And the problem that he has is this FBI probe. And you know what's also interesting about the governor is this is after he has, in fact, you know, think of how much money he has given out. Tomorrow, he's going to swear in Darnell Weaver to be the new head of the Rhode Island State Police. Um, he has, like, empty the cupboards, trying to literally buy goodwill. But as of right now, it's, it's, it's just, it's not happening. He's, he's certainly not getting any type of bump. And I think, you know, it's several things, but I also think it's, it could, I think it's actually going to get worse. So because this FBI story is not going away and I'm curious. And again, folks, I apologize. I agreed that I'm doing something with Newsmax this afternoon. So I cannot attend the Governor McKee briefing. They just announced yesterday, late yesterday, that that he was having this briefing. So. Um, so it's not like it's been, been out there for a while. It, it just got announced and there's, there's nothing. I, I, you can't cancel when you agree to, um, when you, when you agree that you're going to take part in, in something like that. Now I want to go to, this is uh, president Biden, just a little bit of Ukraine news. 
He praised American press for covering the Russian invasion. Thank you. Um, let me uh, go to this. Continue to solve eyes. You'll be an immense human cost. We've seen, uh, we've seen them leave behind horrifying evidence of their atrocities and war crimes and the areas they try to control. And as long as the assaults and atrocities continue, we're going to continue to supply military assistance. I might know parenthetically. You know, there's a dinner this weekend to celebrate the press. Think of what the American press has done. The courage is taken to stay in these war zones. The courage is taken to report every single day. I've always had respect for the press, but I can't tell you how much respect I have watching, watching them in these zones where they're under fire. Risking their own lives to make sure the world hears the truth. Imagine if we weren't getting that information. It'd be a different world. It'd be a different circumstance. You know, that, um, again, folks, I also want to go. This is where he's talking about how much money that the United States is, is going to send. And it, 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 it is huge. Our NATO allies, our EU partners, they're going to pay their fair share of the cost as well. But we have to do this. We have to do our part as well, leading the alliance. <clears throat> the cost of this fight uh, is not cheap. But caving to aggression is going to be more costly if we allow it to happen. We either back Ukrainian people as they defend their country, or we stand by as the Russians continue their atrocities and aggression. No, we cannot do that. We can't do that. This is a powerful symbol, though. $33 billion in aid. Austin's mouth went, right? Which is, is this the type of support necessary for Ukraine to actually help Ukraine win this war? Chuck, this was so important for Secretary Austin to talk about we want Ukraine to win. And obviously, you know, uh, Secretary Austin was my boss many years ago. He's a man of few words. So that would have been, that was not an accident to say that. Right. Uh, but also him with uh, Secretary Blinken. Oh, what a powerful symbol. American diplomacy, and American defense, uh, working together there in Kyiv, uh, signaling our commitment, but also this uh, new direction of, of policy. And then the very next day, and I like the, the fact that Mike uh, Memley mentioned this earlier, 40 nations gathering there at Ramstein Air Base. This is not just NATO. This is the Western world. And, um, you know, the yes, of course, it's a lot of money. But we're talking about not only Ukraine winning, but this is about democracy versus autocracy. And, and I think most people agree that if Ukraine loses, if we fail here, this, this will not be the end. So this has such bigger implications and for sure Chinese are watching. No question about it. Folks, good afternoon at 133. You're listening to the John DePietro show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now again, um Governor McKee is let let's see how he makes out on the news today of his low approval rating. Low approval rating and also the fact that now he's pulling out of a debate. Now, he has agreed to address the media. He has ag- agreed to address the media. So that part, you know, at least he's doing that. But pulling out of, of the debate. And now they're trying to say that he, he's not going to debate until the field is set. And the field won't be set. Until July. Because you still have to go through where people have to hand in the signatures. In July, all of this buildup, in July is when it becomes real. Governor McKee's campaign manager confirms he won't do any appearances with other candidates before July. He'll begin participating in debates when the candidate declaration period is complete and the field is set. That is different than what they said in the past. We were informed the governor's not doing until the field is set. Yes, his office previously confirmed on two occasions. The first confirmation was February 24th. So if, if he's willing to pull out of this one, I that means now he says before July. Before July, but... It doesn't say in July. 
won't do any appearances with other candidates before July, but it doesn't say he will do it in July. Now, I'll also say this. It, as long as the Republican candidate is included, I think it kind of gives them the out a little bit. Um, so the local media are obviously jumping on this, and, and that rightfully so. Um, but I think more than once he has confirmed that he would do it. My point is it, it doesn't sound as if he um, they, they're not going to say why why the change. So I'm going to say it has to be the FBI probe. Uh, right. The, I mean, what's changed between now and then? It can't be Ashley Kalis. It can't be because of Nellie Gorbea. It can't be Helena Folks. What's been the one dynamic that has changed in, in the race? And that is the FBI probe. Right? There's been, there's been no other change in that. So now I'm very curious to see what happens uh, this afternoon with, and again, the, they are having a briefing with everyone involved, state police, Winsaka police, attorney general's office, U.S. Marshal are all having this briefing this afternoon regarding the shooting that happened last night. In the city of Woonsocket. So I believe we will, um, we should learn more this afternoon. Let me say that. We should learn more this afternoon. I want to go to, um, let me also just, I want to play. There was the, the, you know what's interesting was in the very beginning, if the Biden administration, if they had taken this type of approach towards Russia, if they had done this back in in November or December, you, you just, you, you got to wonder, does Russia still invade in that way, right? Does Russia still invade if, in fact, we had been less frightened of as they seem to be um, less frightened of that and maybe a little bit more of like, you know, too, too bad the way things are, are working out and, and standing up. All right. Now, let me also, this is major. A federal court has temporarily blocked Department of Homeland Security from lifting the pandemic on migrants on the southern border. This is a big story. Let's hear the latest now. This is um, some quick audio. ...blocked the Department of Homeland Security from lifting that pandemic restriction on migrants at the southern border. U.S. officials tell NBC News 170,000 migrants are waiting in Mexico and planning to cross the border when Title 42 is lifted. But a federal judge has said he would put a pause on lifting that restriction anytime before May 23rd. The judge also set a hearing date for next month to determine whether that pause should be extended beyond that date well it should be um and that is good news all right let's go to um russian forces carried out new attacks overnight and president putin warned of a lightning fast response Russian President Vladimir Putin warning of a lightning-fast response to outside interference in Ukraine, saying, we have all the tools for this, the kind that no one else can boast of right now, and we won't brag. We will just use them if needed. Remarks seen as a reference to Russian weapons like ballistic missiles and nuclear arms. The European Commission is accusing Russia of blackmail for cutting off gas supplies to Poland and Bulgaria. Meanwhile, on the front lines, as they prepare their tanks for battle, Ukrainians remain determined. Our equipment is worse than theirs, he says, but the strength is not in the tank. The strength is in the people. Overnight in Russian-controlled Kherson, an explosion in the center of town blowing up a TV tower. 
Russian state media claiming they shot down two Ukrainian missiles. This following Wednesday's show of courage. Ukrainians demonstrating against the occupation. Defiance eventually dispersed by Russian stun grenades and tear gas. Yulia Vlasenko recently fled Kherson with her mother. She says she used to take part in the demonstrations, but the situation became too dangerous, so she fled. How did you make it out to Kiev? I found a private driver and uh, Russians just remember his face. He uh, gives them some uh, food, some cigarettes, everything they need. So it's like uh, his payment for uh, their permission to let him go. She says the dirt road they used to escape was narrow and riddled with mines. But when they made it through and saw the first Ukrainian flags, they broke down in tears. Later today, President Biden is expected to request Congress fund a supplemental aid package for Ukraine. The amount is said to be massive, full of economic... And it is. $33 billion. Hey, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. The time is 141. I want to just uh, mention... Brendan McGear's piece, Brady's Retirement Spurs Memories at Bryant University. Beneath the white blanket of snow on a chilly February afternoon. When did he publish this? Oh, February 2nd. I'm just coming across it. Um, They talk about, you know, that was such a special time when the Patriots used Bryant. And the players needed to walk down a dirt path that later was converted to a gravel road. John Rupert, presently Bryant's deputy director of athletics, said, I called it Patriot Path. Um, He was a Bulldog staffer when number 12 took his first steps towards superstardom. Brady walked down the same road over the paved over it. For three summers, he was on Bryant's campus. And I remember when the Patriots were were there. Think of that now. Then they, you know, the, the crafts and said, wait a minute, you know, let's have this all at Patriot Place and there's money to be made here. But... Um, if you could go back being the fly on wall special team, remember standing next to a member of the Patriots security staff as Brady fought for Zenith life during his rookie season on the grassy fields of Bryant. He was wearing the red jersey because he's the quarterback. Watching him back then, he was so composed. In terms of Bryant's dorm life, Brady stayed in, in a room in Hall 15. Today, Hall 15 is known as Bristol House. Now, I was actually, in the summertime, I used to fill in on WJMF. And I remember I'd get calls from the Patriot players requesting, like, rap. and This was in the 80s, things like that. And then I remember one time I I walked up and um, Steve Grogan was doing an interview right outside of the building that had JMF, which I think was the student uh, building, student union complex. All the players used to sneak off campus. That was the fun part. Parenti's Restaurant. Quick hit pass from the Bryant entrance was a favorite of the players. Even though the Patriots were set to move to Gillette Stadium before the 2002 season, training camp took place at Bryant with Brady and his teammates drawing even more attention due to being known as defending Super Bowl champs. Rupert shared a story from the summer 2002, how big they had become. The Giants came here to scrimmage. We had to temporarily air condition the stadium for them because the Patriots locker room was in one of our buildings. I think there were 17,000 for that scrimmage. There weren't enough parking. People weren't happy. Traffic was backed up on 295. Um, Patriot Path. So anyhow, uh, that's a good story. He's a good writer, good local writer. I have not seen that. So, folks, right now at 144, now, the, the as regards to the shooting that took place last night, there is going to be a 3 o'clock press briefing, and we're going to learn more. But what we have learned, it seems like the marshal's office was involved. Obviously, the state police was involved. The violent fugitive task force was involved, and we're going to learn more. I, I think, uh, I think we're going to learn today that the fugitive um, was was in fact. Um, it was a fatality is what I'm trying to say is I don't whoever that was and I believe it's being reported Channel 12 is saying that it's somehow connected to a kidnapping that happened in Little Compton. I believe we're going to learn that that it was a it was a fatal shooting last night. 
in. I did see a video. Now, the fact that the person was seemingly driving the vehicle, I, I have not heard that there was more than one person in the vehicle. The question you want to wait for is, I believe, is going to be, number one, did they display a weapon? Number one. Or number two, um, were they using the vehicle as a weapon? So I think we're going to learn more. We will learn who that individual was. And then we're also, um, in fact, going to learn. I think that those are reasonable questions. With, I, I don't think that state police are going to have a tough time with this shooting. Anytime there's, there's some kind of a, anytime an officer discharges their weapon, the attorney general's office immediately gets in and they investigate. I think what. What we need to learn is if they had a weapon or if they were using the vehicle as a weapon. All right. Now, I'm also seeing from Brian Crandall, NBC 10, from Governor McKee's campaign. We notified them last week the governor will begin participating in debates when the candidate declaration period is complete and the field is set. Well, but they had agreed to it in the past. They had agreed to do the debates in the past. And then they decided not to do the debates. Um... That's also interesting. One of the candidates who is running for mayor of Providence, he's Nellie Gorbea's former chief of staff. And I'm anxious to see this. Uh, He did an interview on Newsmakers because I I think he and his former boss, Nellie Gorbea, I, I think that they have some kind of a an agreement going, but we're going to find out. Folks, this portion of the program, well, 147 on this Thursday, good afternoon, one and all, is brought to you by Propane Plus. Call them today for all your propane needs. Do you use a lot of propane? Do you use propane? Heating and cooling, call Propane Plus. And a lot of businesses now use an awful lot of propane outside when they are for heating or uh, heating lamps and or uh, for different things, Propane Plus, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, call Propane Plus. They're right in Rehoboth at 508-252-3359. Propane Plus, they're not going anywhere. Three generations, they're available 24-7. They have online billing, scheduled service to deliver at the click of a button. Online at Propane Plus. And then it's so simple. It's an easy to navigate website where you just type in your zip code, residential, commercial. It's Propane Plus. Well, folks, good afternoon at 148. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. So Governor McKee is going with Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos, which is interesting because as much as he does, in fact, uh, include her. She actually has no official responsibilities. But 2.30 this afternoon, Governor McKee, Lieutenant Governor Mattress will hold a media availability. Discuss issues of the day, take questions from the media. Well, the first thing he's going to get asked about is going to be the whole situation regarding um, the fact that he's he's not going to do the debate his reaction on the poll will be ah i've decided not to um that sex sex education bill was big though i want to get to some of the email if you want to send me an email folks go to the website to petro.com john and the new sex ed bill this is from michael who's going to teach the kids the new sex ed the math teacher are they going to hire the massage therapist from all the illegal massage parlors that were closed down they need jobs too will the kids be able to study or do their homework in the library, or what they need to do in the privacy of the classroom? Will the children be encouraged to do their work or projects in a group or by themselves? Will they have a test, be hands-on, multiple choice, or class participation? Uh, how are they graded? Will clothing be optional? I, well, I, I am not convinced that that is going to happen, uh, meaning as far as that bill. I am not convinced that that bill is is going to uh, take place as far as I, I don't think it's going to make it through. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I really don't think it's going to 
make it through. I think that, especially when you're talking about Senate President Dominic Ruggiero, and one of the senators was saying they've just they've never heard, heard from so many parents as they heard on that particular piece of legislation. And that, you know, that progressive state senator, Tierra Mack, I mean, without question, she is a lightning rod of controversy. A lightning rod of controversy. And um, if if she's involved, then um, automatically, I, I it, it seems to draw a lot of attention. So, but boy, that Elon Musk, the teacher bashing Elon Musk, a lot of backlash. Oh, now it is an update. He's no longer the political director for Black Lives Matter. Wow. So that's interesting. Um, he was removed from B. So even BLM is cutting ties with him. That's interesting. McKee's approval rating fell more than any other governor. Whew. When the hits keep coming. Wow. That's according to the Providence Journal. Governor McKee's popularity has fallen dramatically since last year. 42% approve of the job he's doing. Last last fall, 60% of surveyed voters approved of the job he was doing, and only 25% disapproved. Now, it's up to 40% disapprove, 18 percentage point drop, the largest of any governor. So there you go. Um, and, and now you know why he's then afraid to get on the debate stage. And he, he, he is. They're canceling. They're changing. They're moving the goalpost. Now they're saying that, oh, that's interesting. Now they're saying that they want to wait to see till the field is complete. But in the past, he took questions. So um, in the past, he agreed to be part of the debate. And then suddenly now, Governor McKee is pulling out of the debate, I should say. Folks, right now at, let's see, local time is one fifty-three. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you. I want to once again thank our friend Paul Manville, John the Roofer, residential commercial roofing, stepped up. Said, I love what you do in Ukraine. I want to support the effort. Residential commercial roofing right now, late April. We're almost into May. If you're thinking of getting a new roof, call John the Roofer today, 1-866-906-ROOF. You can request a quote, 1-866-906-ROOF. Get a free quote, residential and commercial roofing. It's John the Roofer, and it's our friend Paul Manville, who was, um, listen, I'll tell you what Paul is, who Paul is. Paul is who you want to do business with. He's a stand-up guy. I could have used him in Ukraine, I'll tell you that much. He, um, he is the type of individual that you want to do business with because he is someone of integrity. He's a man of his word. And on top of that, they do tremendous work. John the Roofer. So you're listing right now on this Thursday, and you're thinking, you know what? I think we could use a new roof. Call them toll-free, 1-866-906-ROOF. I believe you could just go online, johntheroofer.com, type in your zip code, and they'll come out and give you a free quote. Folks, good afternoon. Right now it's 154. Uh, Governor McKee, I, I think it's pretty dramatic, although, so the campaign manager for Governor McKee offered this explanation. We notified them last week, we'll begin participating in debates when the candidate declaration period is complete and the field is set. Well, but that's different from what they initially said. So they're saying we told them, but that, you know, that's initially they did agree. And according to RIPAC, they agreed twice. So there's a couple of different things with that. As I have said, um, <clears throat> wow. Look at that. So now the Republican Party is uh, teeing up. 
וואו. The gloves are off. As far as the Republican Party going after. Governor McKee, third least popular governor in the country. They have not surprised. Silva scandal, FBI investigation, DMV prostitution scandal. I, I don't know about that. I, I would also put in the uh, the situation where, keep in mind, you know, even though as Dr. Fauci and Biden and everyone is saying that basically we're about to leave, we're about to leave COVID behind, Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott is still going to get 46,000. McKee's approval rating has fallen faster than any other governor in 2002. Wow. Look out below. I I don't think the DMV thing as much. I think it has to do more with the, um, I think it has to do with the, (laughs) I think it has to do with the, um, with the bonuses with the state workers and, and his handling of COVID and Dr. Scott. You know, as I've said, this would set a new precedent if, if someone who is the subject of an FBI probe was actually elected to office, it would be the first time it's ever happened. This portion of the John DePietro Show, folks, is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, casual dining, Full bar, large dining area, unique rustic setting, and they also have the big deck. They can accommodate up to 100 people. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So right now it's 157. And again, folks, I apologize. Now we have two things. The Governor McKee briefing this afternoon, uh, that is at 2.30. And then we have the state police update regarding the situation last night with the shooting. And unfortunately, I I do have a Newsmax program that I'm supposed to be part of. And so I I gave them my word. You can't cancel on something like that. It's unfortunate that suddenly there's all these different things falling on this day. But uh, Governor McKee, between pulling out of the debate and the, the, the biggest approval rating collapse of any governor in the country, that's um that is certainly uh what's going to dominate the news and then you know on the one hand and then now he's also doing this press briefing this afternoon um boy i don't i don't know who agreed or thought that that would be a good idea so that is really interesting that that someone thought it would be a good idea to have um to have him and the lieutenant governor address the meeting this the media the uh, the media this afternoon, I just don't know about that. Um, we, we're going to see. Maybe he wants to. Yeah, I'm here. I have nothing to hide. But I I just I'm not um I'm not sure that that's such a good idea. <laughs> I'm not so sure that that's a good idea, but we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out. All right, right now it is one fifty nine. So, folks, again, a busy afternoon. We're going to have a big show tomorrow at 11. I will be doing Facebook Live later tonight. And as we showed, when there's breaking news, we went out. If you want to see the video from the shooting last night in Woonsocket, please visit the website, petro.com. Coming up, you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news, and then it'll be the John Dion program. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. Again, a police briefing, or there's a state police briefing later this afternoon coming up next hour on the shooting that happened last night in Woonsocket. And then the big news coming up in the 2 o'clock news is President Biden, billions going to WNRI, Woonsocket. WNRI.